What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. I got Dom and David with me as always. If you guys don't know my name, I'm Nick, and we're going to dive right into our quarter one here. It's our recap time from this past week. We got three games to go over, one college, two professional. We'll dive right into the first game here. It's going to be the Oregon versus Utah game. Um, If you were expecting a close game or a competitive game, you did not get that in this one. <laughs> um, Oregon pretty much routed Utah. Definitely a little bit more of a surprise to me. I definitely I thought Utah or, or I thought Oregon would win this one, but I didn't think uh, Utah would let it get this out of hand. But Bo Nix had a good game, two forty eight, two touchdowns. Um, on the Utah side, their starter had two interceptions. Um, I think they just had two field goals, no touchdowns. So I'll throw it over to Dom. You know, what's your what's your opinions on this game, man? I'm a little disappointing um, going into last week. You guys know I was talking pretty highly on, on Utah. Um, but credit to Oregon, great team. I think they're a team that's definitely in playoff contention. I think they're, you know, right up there with, with some of the best teams of the country. And, you know, rightfully so. We we see now that while Utah still has a good team, I think they're they're ranked 18th. Oregon ranked number six. Like they're 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 on a whole nother stratosphere of you know quality of play and, and quality of, of players that they have. Um, so we'll see. I, I think Utah's still in contention, probably for the Pac-12 championship. Um, you know, depending on on how the rest of the season goes, but. Yeah, Oregon's looking really, really good. Yeah, yeah, Oregon. I yeah, like, I don't know if you mentioned them, their loss to Washington, but that was a super competitive game. You know, I think this will we'll see that matchup between Oregon and Washington again in the uh, the championship game there, and and those are two teams that probably deserve to be, you know, in the playoff when it's all said and done. If you know Oregon's able to beat Washington, but yeah, I think uh, I think Utah just ran into a, a better team, you know? Um, and I don't know what that says about, I don't that they haven't played USC yet. Have they? I don't think so. I think that. Might uh, be no, I believe they play the next week. Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, we'll have to see, you know, what they are able to do against USC. Do against next USC. Week. But I'll throw it over to David. What's your opinions on this game, man? I think that we definitely expected a lot better from Utah. Um, not just because Don was speaking so highly of them, but they've been sort of on the rise lately, maybe not up to the expectations of Oregon, um, but definitely a lot better than just two field goals. So I definitely thought it was going to be like more like a, they would have more points in, in terms of like around the 20, 25 range but not not six. So, however, great job for Oregon. They played great. Defense was there. Defense was stellar. And the offense, uh, it came through when they needed it to. Yeah, I mean, having Bo Nix, I mean, he's – he. I think he has the record for most games started in college football history. So, I mean, it, it's very rare to have a college quarterback with that much experience and – you know, it definitely 
is a great benefit to this Oregon team. Yeah, I, him and uh, what Michael Penix is with Washington, both of those guys have, I think they're in their fifth year right now. So I, I don't know if that's the, that might be the new formula within this NIL slash new transfer kind of era that we're in within college football where like, hey, you know, as as a, a young man going into college, like you may think you know where you want to go and you may think that you know the system that you want to be in, but maybe it doesn't work out for you there. But you're able to garner experience and you're able to garner that knowledge of still playing football. And maybe you could transfer into a better situation that has better talent on the roster for you. And you're able to use that experience and that knowledge that you've gained over that time at that other school. And you're able to apply that to, you know, a new situation and, and where you're at um, and be successful. So I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think right now, when you look at those two teams, those are probably two of the better quarterbacks within college football right now. And both of those guys are, they have lots of experience. They're older um, and they're on their second team right now. So it's definitely interesting. We'll see. We'll see how they do the rest of the season, and and we'll see maybe what the the rest of their career looks like after college football. Are they able to translate into the NFL and and maybe continue, or are they career backups, or is really college football the highest you know level they're going to be able to play? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's move into our second game to talk about here, and we'll talk about our professional football, and we'll talk about the Bengals versus 49ers game. 49ers are on a three-game skid here, and I believe the Bengals are on a three-game win streak after this game. So definitely a polarizing opposite of where these two teams are heading. Um, You had Joe Burrow, who I think this is probably the best he's looked all season. Um, He looks looks healthy. He looks ready to go. Um, He threw three touchdown passes, and Brock Purdy continues to struggle a little bit you know two interceptions one touchdown he did throw almost 400 yards so that helps out I I don't think it helped that Brock Purdy was had the most rushing yards during this game for the San Francisco 49ers I think they have to kind of figure that out but I don't know David what do you what do you take from this game I think that we're seeing the Cincinnati Bengals of uh, pretty much since Joe Burrow started where, especially after his rookie season, where they would struggle first couple of weeks, um, especially since oftentimes Joe Burrow would be injured for at least two of them. Then the next two, three, two to three weeks, he would struggle just to get kind of warmed up and used to the league again. And then he, they would just take off. So I think we're finally seeing uh, that Cincinnati Bengals team again, where they they're finally taking off to where we need where we expect them to be at. Then with the 49ers, I think that this was this I guess you could say quote unquote struggle was inevitable, and if it was at any point going to happen, might as well do it in the middle of the season. And where they can still have time to recover and get ready for the playoffs. I wonder if if teams have kind of figured out what they were trying to do on offense. Obviously, 
you know, you don't have Debo Samuel, and I think they're missing Trent Williams, their tackle, so that hurts. But I just wonder if teams have kind of figured out what they're trying to do, and and they're like, hey, we're going to stop the run, and then we're going to make Brock Purdy throw into tight spots. We're going to make him make those throws. And, you know, the past three weeks, it's kind of felt like he hasn't been able to. Um, it's really looked like the guys haven't been able to be as open and he's just not been as efficient. You know, we'll get into Jimmy Garoppolo later, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked pretty good within this system as well, too, when he was healthy. And, you know, now, eh, eh. so I'm wondering if teams are kind of starting to notice that and maybe Brock Purdy isn't as good as everybody thought. Um, I'm curious to to hear what you think about this game, Dom, and then – about my comments about Brock Purdy as well. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the game, I think I've been saying for a while now that the Bengals will be fine and that they'll figure things out because they always do. And I I think last week proved that the team was back and that Joe Burrow was healthy. And, I mean, this this past week just solidified that. Um, I think, like I said last week, until proven otherwise, they're the best team in the AFC, and I think they're the team to beat especially when Joe Burrow's rolling with Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and, and all them. I think the defense has always been decent. Um, obviously, replacing Jesse Bates is not going to be easy, um, but I think they were able to bring in some guys that are maybe not playing at as high of a level as Jesse Bates did, but are still playing at a competent level. So right now, I think the Bengals are one of the best teams in the AFC, um, if not the best team. Uh, for the 49ers, I, they're definitely coming back down to earth. I think we're realizing that maybe Brock Purdy isn't the MVP candidate that we thought he was. I, he's still playing at a good level. You look at his numbers for the whole season, they, they speak for themselves. But this is the first time that he's faced any sort of adversity. This is the first time where not everything has been perfect for him. He's never really lost any of his weapons. He's never lost any of his offensive linemen. He's never had to pick up the the teammates around him. They, To me, it seems like they've always made him perfect instead of him improving their play. And it's, it, I, I know it's a lot to ask of a young quarterback. I'm not saying that he's never going to be able to do this. But right now, it doesn't look like he's able to pick up the play of his teammates and be – a good quarterback when things aren't perfect, which if you're going to be competing for a Super Bowl, that's what you need your quarterback to do because you're never going to go through a season where you're, none of your teammates are going to get injured and not everything is always going to be perfect. Um, so I think how you handle that is is important. And to this point, you know, the Brock Purdy hasn't really done what he's needed to. Um, he uh, he's still put up some decent stats, but he's turned he's been turning the ball over um, at an increasing amount the last three weeks. I think the defense overall has been not what we expected. I know they they traded for um, Chase Young today, so we'll see how that changes things. But um, I saw today that they were 24th in terms of pass rush, and the secondary has been average at best. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what this team is like with Chase Young and Debo coming back, but – I don't know. I think Kyle Kyle Shanahan has been able to kind of mask a lot of the deficiencies that this team may have. 
and may think and made us think that they're some unstoppable team, but we've seen the last three weeks that they're definitely stoppable and there's definitely holes in this team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a if there is a clear favorite um in the NFC. I don't I think I, I think there is. I, I still think it's the Eagles. I don't know, man. I know that they I know that they beat Washington, was it this past week? But Washington looked really good against like teams they're they're winning the games, but teams are exploiting them. You know what I mean? That shouldn't be exploiting them. So I just I think that they're they're beatable. I don't think that they're they're the clear favorite in the NFC. I think if somebody catches them on a bad day, you know, they're they're not going to be able to come out of that. And I just I think the 49ers I mean, are the are the same way. You know, I like I'm not saying they're bad teams. I think both of them probably still have the the better chance to come out of the NFC, but I think if a team gets hot at the right time, they have the potential to knock those guys off. They're not they're not impervious. They haven't really been playing up to the potential of which we think that they should be playing. So, well, no, especially but, the mean, 49ers. I, I think we let our perception of how we expect things to be really skew our judgment of, of teams because every team is beatable in this league. No team yeah. is, is perfect. So at, at any week, you can catch any team on an off week. Look at the Lions. They got destroyed by the by the Ravens and came back in, in one pretty handily against the Ravens. So I mean, you can catch any team on an off week and we're like, oh, wow, maybe they're not what we thought that they were. So I, I don't think just because Jalen Hurts has been putting up the same stats as he was last year or they haven't been able to really successfully replace C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the secondary, that they're not one of the best teams in the in the NFC. Because, again, they were they were in the Super Bowl last year for a reason, and they they didn't really lose anything on the defensive side, especially the defensive line. They only added to the defensive line. So I think just because that they're not being that dominant force that we assume that they should be, I don't think that we should let that skew our, our judgment of the team. No, I'm not I'm not saying that they're not good. I'm just saying I don't think that there's a clear team right now that looks like that I could be like they're definitely going to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. You know what I mean? I think there's there there I mean you you can do the same thing about the AFC. No. I don't think there's but we're talking about the NFC right now. We're not talking about the AFC. Like I you know what I mean? Like I we weren't even talking yeah. about them. So like I agree. I don't think there is a clear team in the NFL in totality that really looks like they're that they could go to the Super Bowl no matter what. You know, I think we would like to say the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes, but we'll get into a little bit later. They they kind of got out physical this past weekend. So they clearly have their own deficiencies that they have to work on. I'm just I'm just saying I don't know. I don't know between the 49ers and the Eagles, you look at those two teams, especially the 49ers and you're like, okay, you guys may still have the best talent on paper, but you're either not utilizing it to the way you need to, or guys aren't performing the way they need to, but you're losing games in which you shouldn't. And then you're having to fight these tough games that you don't, that shouldn't be that tough. Um, for what you have on your roster and, and what you've shown this season so far. So that's the only that's the only thing I was getting at. Not that not that they still I mean, at the end of the day, the one of them will probably still be in the Super Bowl, but I'm just saying that I don't know if there's I don't know if I could clearly say that that 
that one of them is definitely going to make it there. I will say if I had to pick a dark horse team for the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl, I mean, maybe it's not a dark horse, but the Lions, yeah, they're looking, they're looking very impressive. And if uh, Jameer Gibbs can continue the play that he did and Montgomery can come back and play like he was playing. I, I think this team can, I think the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and quickly go over our last game here that we want to go over. And it's going to be the Texans versus Panthers. I think last week we all kind of predicted that uh, CJ Stroud would come out and the Texans would route the Panthers, and it just did not end up that way. It was a very close game. The Panthers ended up winning it with a, you know, while the seconds ticked off on the clock with a field goal. C.J. Stroud, no touchdown passes, no interceptions. His completion percentage wasn't awful, but only 140 yards throwing. So not what you would expect from him. He did have a rushing touchdown, but just a little bit of an off week. Um, Bryce Young didn't look awful in this game. So maybe he's starting to get it. Maybe it's just the Texans defense. You know, they're still a rebuilding team. Um, they've had some success this year, but they're still young. They're still rebuilding. What is your viewpoint on this game here, Dom? You know, I think you were one that was really confident in the Texans blowing out the Panthers last week. And, you know, are you disappointed or are you surprised? What's your feeling on this one? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, I was hoping the game in general would have been a little bit more exciting. Um, more disappointed in the play of, of C.J. Stroud in this game. I think looking at it on paper, the this Carolina Panthers defense is not good. And I think it was a great matchup that, that he could have taken advantage of. And... You know, he just didn't. I mean, I get that he's a rookie, and there's there's still a lot of learning to be done. And I, I think the Texans, while they are in a very good spot long term, uh, they're still a team that has a lot of growing pains. And unfortunately, this was a pretty pretty big growing pain for them this week. Um, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young, this is probably some of the best play that we've seen from him all season. We'll see if he can continue. But, you know, the, the Texans defense really didn't have an answer for Adam Thielen, and that was really their, their only weapon that they had all game. Yeah. Uh, David, what's your uh, opinion on this game? Definitely I thought Houston was going to do better, considering that out of the two, C.J. Stroud has had the better overall year so far up to this point. Um, But good for the Panthers – uh, definitely a well-deserved win. So, and Bryce Young, Bryce Young, there we go, if I could speak English properly, um, definitely came out and showed that he was somewhat worthy of playing in the NFL uh, and earning the, I don't want to say earn the first round, first overall pick, but definitely came to play. And on top of that, I'd like to point out that it wasn't just Adam Thielen that they were throwing to. Yes, he got the most receptions and targets, but Jonathan Mingo actually got a good, decent amount of yards, too. So, also like to point that out. All right. Yeah, definitely a uh, 
I don't know, a better game for Bryce Young. I I don't know. I don't want him to like fail. I I I know that we have our our favorites and um I know that we think people are going to do better than what they're going to do and if they come from college, you know, obviously he's an Alabama guy and we're Ohio State fans, so like we're, we're not going to like him all that much, but you know as as a young man who's just trying to succeed and, and do well in a job and he doesn't seem like he's you know has poor character as of yet from what we've seen so i i do want him to be successful um as a football fan so i am happy that he was able to have a good week and um and produce the way that he was i agree with dom you know cj stroud's got to be better but he's a rookie you know he's gonna have these moments where he doesn't perform the way that he should over the next couple years and and he'll grow and and he'll learn from it and he'll bounce back i I think C.J. Stroud is one of the most, you know, even-keeled guys. He's a super good leader, and and he learns from his mistakes and, and grows and gets better from it. So, I don't know. I am looking forward to these guys' matchup for the next 10 years. I think if they both can develop and, and continue to grow as quarterbacks and NFL players and and mature men, then, then they're going to have lots of good battles over the next 10 years, and I think we need that. So... But let's go ahead and jump into quarter two, college football talk. The only really thing I had on here, guys, was the college football playoff rankings. I don't know if you guys saw yet or anybody at home, but I'll run through um, them real quick. They have Ohio State at one, Georgia at two, Michigan at three, you know, the cheaters. I guess they still get to stay at three. Florida State at four, Washington at five, Oregon at six. Texas at 7, Alabama at 8, Oklahoma at 9, Ole Miss is 10th, Penn State is 11, Missouri is 12, Louisville is 13th, LSU is 14th, Notre Dame 15th, Oregon State 16th, Tennessee 17th, Utah 18th, UCLA 19th, Southern California is at 20th, Kansas is 21st, Oklahoma State 22nd, Kansas State 23rd, Tulane is 24, and rounding out the top 25 is Air Force at 8 and 0. All right, Dom, do you love it or hate it? What's your uh, viewpoint on this college football playoff rankings here? Um, I don't love it. I really like it though. Um, I like that Ohio State is number 1. I think it's really deserving. Um, you know, they're an undefeated team and of the the top 4 teams, I think they've had the best resume so far with two top 10 wins. Um, Georgia hasn't really played anyone of note. Michigan hasn't played anybody. Um, I think the toughest team that they played was a Mac school. Um, Florida state is, I think, deserving of number four, but I think Washington can also be deserving of number four. Um, the one thing that I really don't like, it's really down, down in the rankings. Uh, number 20, I don't think UCLA should be even in the top 25 or not UCLA. Uh, I don't think USC should be in the top 25. They barely escaped this last week with uh, a one-point win against Cal. And I'm going to continue my, uh, you know, screw Caleb Williams mantra, but, you know, I don't think he deserves to be in the top 25. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I guess they did. I mean, they haven't really beat anybody good yet because they lost to the game and they lost to – who was the – in conference, they lost to, was it you? Not Utah. It was a. Uh, it was Utah. Yeah, um, USC lost to Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and they and then they winning. they escaped with a fifty to forty nine win against Cal. Yeah. That easily could have went Cal's way. 
Yeah, they still got to play UCLA. They still got to play Oregon, and they still got to play Washington, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna. But be- in terms of top four, I like the top four. Hey, you can make an argument. You can make an argument for uh, Washington being in there instead of Michigan or Florida State. But I, I, I think I love that Ohio State is number one. Yeah, I, I almost think Washington should be number two. Because the, the only thing I'm going to say is I think they went off of who has the best, like, um, the best record in, in terms of, like, who has the best wins. And Washington has a head-to-head win over Oregon, who they have at six. And I don't think Georgia really has a head-to-head win against anybody of quality. And Michigan doesn't have a head-to-head win against anybody of quality either. So I think that Washington should be number two. You know, you look at Ohio State, they beat – they beat Notre Dame and they beat Penn State, who are both in the top 15. So it makes sense that they're number one right now. But I do think Washington should be number two. I think Georgia and Michigan, everybody else just kind of slides down. I like where Oregon's at. Um, Texas and Alabama, I don't think that's a bad spot. Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, I think those are that's probably where they should be at. But, yeah, I don't know. I like Air Force at 25. That's pretty fun. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is interesting so they got to play i think army this week so we'll see if they you know drop that game or not but it's very it. interesting you say doubt it i don't know navy played them pretty close so they're always usually close and gritty for some reason i, I don't i don't know why but i think it's just like they pretty much just prepare the military themselves. schools play hard man they don't quit yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like I think they like specifically prepare themselves to beat up on each other. You know what I mean? It's almost like Ohio State, Michigan prepare themselves throughout the year to play each other. You know, like yeah. I think those it's like a are... like a sense of pride. Yeah. So and they and all the the armed forces branches they shit on each other all the time. So <laughs> I think they don't want to be losing to each other, but I don't know, David. Uh, what's your viewpoint on this, man? You love it or hate it? Uh, I actually don't mind it at all. Um, I think top four, top five is definitely where they should be. I, I may maybe rearranged a little bit, but definitely those at least five. Um, I think the major thing that I have would probably be LSU, Oregon State, and Tennessee. Or more LSU than anything. Why are they six and two at fourteen? Um, they haven't really been the greatest since Joe Burrow left. Um, um, and I thought Air Force would be a little bit higher than they are, considering that they're the only eight and zero team that's at twenty five or in that general vicinity. I should say. Granted, it is Air Force, so I don't know what their schedule looks like um, outside of the military games that they play. So maybe it is deserving at 25, but who knows? And definitely, I I agree with Dom with uh, USC should not be in the top 25. We'll have to see, right? Like, I know they have two losses, and again, I talked about, like, they haven't really beat anybody they barely beat colorado um but, i think i think they barely beat arizona state i think really honestly they're there because of 
the idea of how good people believe Caleb Williams is. So if they're able to go out and beat, you know, UCLA and Washington and Oregon, then I think that changes things. But as soon as they lose one more game, they they have to be out of the top 25. There's no reason that they should be in there. There's other teams that are, you know, winning better games, performing better. And I know it's Caleb Williams. I know that's the name brand of USC, but you can only give so much credit until you have to, you have to take them out. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on this, guys? All righty. Well, I think that's the quickest we've gotten through quarter one and quarter two before. Let's go ahead and head into quarter three current topics within the NFL here. Right off the bat, um, I'll spoil a little bit of our, our last topic um, in the current topics is talking about the trade deadline talks. I'll spoil one of them. My question for you guys was going to be, what do the Vikings do now? But clearly we've seen what they're going to do. They went out and got a Mr. Joshua Dobbs from the Cardinals. So I'll propose a new question. I'll leave the same one up. What do you think they do in the future after this season? But I guess, guys, what do you think they're trying to accomplish this season? You know, now that they've lost Kirk Cousins, but they are bringing in Josh Dobbs. I'll throw it to uh, David first. Um, I think they're finally coming to the realization that they need to start and rebuild. I think that they need to get Justin Jefferson healthy again. And then same can be said for um, Kirk Cousins. And then I think that they figure out how to trade the two and get the most amount of potential out of the two that they can get. No, they uh, can't trade. They can't trade Kirk Cousins because his contract expires. Okay, but then I don't know what to do with Kirk Cousins. But they definitely need to trade Justin. Trade. That I can say. Because they... They... They have nothing else because, yes, just Josh Dobbs has done well and done pretty good, but that was under the Arizona offense. We don't know how well he's going to do under the Minnesota offense. And unless I'm proven differently, I think that they need to really start back over again. So that's where I'm at. All right, Dom. What do you think? I kind of like the move, um, trading for a veteran backup that can kind of keep you going through the rest of the season. I think if, if this team wasn't on a three-game winning streak and right in the middle of a, a playoff hunt within a pretty, I guess, not underwhelming, but a competitive conference where you're only you know, one or two games out of a top three spot, um, it's kind of hard to just pull the plug on the season because you know you'll you'll run the risk of losing the locker room and um it, it's it always sends a good message to your players when you make a move to either keep the season going or go all in on the season. Um in terms of long term, I, I think you know obviously they'll move on from from Kirk Cousins. Um staying competitive does hurt their chances for getting a, a top quarterback in the draft, but um, that's next year's worry. I think right now they see this as a team that 
is surprisingly in the in the playoff hunt, and they're going to try to make the playoffs. And I don't blame them. Um, I, I disagree with with David in thinking that they should trade Justin Jefferson. Um, while I understand the the reasoning behind it, I think Justin Jefferson is a guy that you build your franchise or or can be a guy that is one of the building blocks of your franchise. And if they're bringing in another veteran quarterback next year or they draft a, a quarterback next year, they're going to want to have a reliable wide receiver room. And, you know, if you're a young quarterback and having someone to rely on like Justin Jefferson, you know, that's going to be huge for any young quarterback's development. So I, while I understand getting a lot of value out of, Justin Jefferson, because you, you'll be able to get a ton of assets for him. Um, I don't think I would because he could really be huge in, in developing a young quarterback. I struggled with this one because this is the way I look at it. The Before they traded for Dobbs, I said this would be a very good opportunity for them to look at Justin Jefferson and be like, we're just going to shut you down. Like, you're done for the season. Um I kind of thought maybe they would try to sell high on maybe some of the guys they had veteran wise, maybe try to get some picks and really go into not like a really hard set rebuild, but a little bit of a soft reboot where maybe they could get some draft picks, get some young talent. Um, Kirk Cousins gets healthy. Maybe they give Kirk Cousins like a little one year deal and see if he is still the Kirk Cousins of old after this Achilles injury heals up, and then maybe they try to make another playoff run next year. But clearly they still think that they can be in the playoff hunt, and they still think that they could do that with Josh Dobbs. So I don't know. I don't know what this team does. Justin Jefferson is not going anywhere. Yes, I get Like I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. In a Madden sense, Sure, your team's struggling. Yeah, sell high on Justin Jefferson. Get a ton of freaking picks out of him. Get some players out of him. Of course, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But in real life, there's just not very many Justin Jeffersons in the league or to ever have played in the league. So you got to hold on to that guy. And and whether or not he plays this year or he comes back, like he's going to be super beneficial for Josh Dobbs to have if they are really thinking about making a playoff push. I think... I think if they believe that they could still compete for a playoff spot, then I don't see Justin Jefferson going anywhere. And to be completely honest, if if they try to make a playoff push and they make it to the playoffs, they're not going to be in a spot to take a quarterback. So who they go get in the draft, I don't think they're going to be able to get anybody better than what Kirk Cousins has been performing for them. So I see Kirk Cousins being their quarterback next year as well, too, as long as his rehab goes well um, and he's able to come back and and still be as productive as he has been. So, again, I I see them giving him like a one or two year, like little little deal to be like, hey, prove that you can still be Kirk Cousins and he'll take it because I think he likes being there and he likes being with Justin Jefferson. But I, I don't I don't see this team really tanking you know what I mean like I think a lot of us thought that they should um at the beginning of the season but yeah that, that's that's what I think they do I, I think they just try to steady the ship win as many games as they can this year 
And then in the offseason, they they bring Kirk back and they try to retool that team and, and retool that defense, whether that's through draft picks or through free agency. So any other comments on this one, guys? All right. Next topic here. So Justin Fields has his thumb injury. I think he sprained his, like, I don't know if they called it, was it the AC joint in your thumb or something like that? Whatever it is. Um, in his throwing hand. So he's having trouble gripping the ball. He's been out for the past couple weeks. It doesn't really feel like he's going to play this next week. And, you know, they're really not sure what the timetable is for him. And the Bears are in an interesting situation where the more and the more they lose, the more likely it is for them to have the top two picks in the draft. Obviously, the Panthers winning this past week against the Texans doesn't help them. But again, the more and the more they lose, the more likelihood they're at least to have one, one, or I would say two of the top five picks in this draft this past this next year. So the question for you guys is, do we see Justin Fields play for the Bears again? Obviously, we saw him have a really t- good two-game stretch. But with this injury, with them not really being that competitive do the Bears look to maybe hit the reset button or do they like what they saw from Justin Fields in those two games and maybe they look to build around him? I'm interested to see what you guys think about this. So again, do you think Justin Fields plays for the Bears again? Dom, I'll throw it to you. Um, I think yes, because the Bears need to know how to move forward. If he comes back and is the Justin Jefferson that we saw early in the season, um, that was one of the worst quarterbacks in football, then they have their answer. They know that they're moving on. But if he comes back and continues to play well like he has before his injury, then the, the Bears have some serious thinking to do. And he may be a guy that, you know, they give not a massive contract to, but at least a decent second contract to keep him with the team for a couple more years and then use, you know, their two top 10 picks to really build out that team around him. Um, so I think he's going to want to play because he's going to want to prove that he could be the guy. The Bears need to know how to proceed with with their future. And I, I think there's incentive for on both sides for Justin Fields to play, if he's obviously if he's able to. Um, if the injury is so bad that he can't play, then obviously they're not going to – risk anything with him and he's not going to want to risk his career. Uh, so if he's able to play, I, I think he'll play for the bears again. Okay. David, what do you think? I think that if he can play again, I think that he should both for the bears as well as himself, because I think that if he, he still puts up decent numbers, maybe not the two games uh, level that he had, then the Bears may or may not give him another year or two. Um, But also, if he does do decent numbers and they decide to let him go, then it'll give other teams the, I guess you could say, desire to want to at least put him on uh, at least a one-year contract to give him a shot in their system. But... I just com- otherwise completely agree with Dom and everything else that he said. 
Okay. I I'm gonna go somewhere in the middle on this one. I do think he plays for them again, but I don't think it's very many games. Um it doesn't seem like that thumb injury is something that's healing the way that the Bears want it to heal. And it doesn't really from the reports, it doesn't seem like Justin Fields is really able to grip the ball that much. So I think this is an injury that might linger for a while. And then I think that he does play, like Dom said, mainly because the Bears are going to want to see what they have towards the end of the season. And maybe he plays like the last four or five games, maybe four games of the season. And they just want to be like, hey, what do you got? What can you give us? Are you the guy going forward? Because if not, we're going to move on. You know what I mean? I think that's more likely, but it does look like he might be out for a little bit just because of the the way that everybody's been talking. Now, he could tomorrow come in, start throwing the ball, gripping the ball, and be fine, but it just seems like he's having lots of trouble with that. So, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home. I think Justin Fields has – has the ability to be a really talented quarterback within the NFL. Um, you know, we've had our conversations about it in the past. I I don't really feel like he's gotten the best opportunity to do so. I do think that he has to, you know, work on his game as well. But I don't know. This is just another thing that you look at him and you're like, all right, what do we do now? Where does he go now? What does this mean for him now? Um, and it's, just very unfortunate and very interesting to see what his career might unfold to be. So again, let us know what you guys think at home. So let's move on to our next topic here. We're going to talk about Will Levis. Holy crap. Mayo man. He was able to find D hop. So um, I don't really know. Uh, I, I think a lot of the catches or a lot of throws and catches between the two of them were kind of lucky, but they happened. So D-Hop is just a monster, and if you give him the opportunity to catch the ball, he's he's going to freaking catch it. But I don't know. Mailman looked pretty good, a lot better than Ryan Tannehill. So the question is for you guys, is is Will Levis the answer for Tennessee, David? I think that it was just one game, and I think that they just didn't have exact tape on the guy. Um, mainly because the only tape that they they would have had would have been from college more than anything. When he was putting mayonnaise in his coffee? Oh, I still think the guy does that now. No, um, no, he definitely does it now, but there was a whole a whole segment on ESPN about it. <laughs> but um so I mean great first performance. Um we'll have to wait and see if he actually is the answer. But for me, it's just one game. Let's, it's kind of like what I said in week one. It's just the first week. Let's be patient here for a second before we say someone is a god or a bust. Okay. Uh, Dom, what do you think about your newly acquired fantasy quarterback there and Will Levis? Do you think he's the answer for Tennessee? You mean my, my fifth quarterback? But, um, I think he heard all the crap you talked about him, Nick, and was like, I'm going to show this boy up because you shit on this man all through the draft process, all throughout the season so far, even though he hasn't really played at all. 
And um, yeah, it was a great game. I I watched the highlights. I saw the big throws. I don't think they were lucky. I think they were they were good throws. And he made the smart decision of throwing to D Hop. Something that Brian Tannehill must have forgot that D Hop was on the team. Um I don't I don't get it. I mean Will Levis in one game already has more touchdown passes than Ryan Tannehill has all season. Um, I think, obviously, while it's one game, he's not going to throw four touchdowns every game. Um, there's going to be some growing pains with him. We'll see how he plays against Pittsburgh. But I think he definitely deserved, after this performance, I, I think he definitely deserves more of a look for the rest of the season. I, I think this team is not going to go anywhere with Tannehill. I think the team looked more energized with Will Levis at the helm. And I think the play was a lot better. So I think even when Tannehill's healthy, I think they should seriously consider keeping Levis at quarterback. Um, Obviously, like I said, there's going to be growing pains. He's not going to be playing this well every game, but I do think that there's potential with him. And there's a reason why he was spoken of so highly throughout the draft process. You know, it's, I don't think it was ever a lack of arm talent. I think it was him needing to refine his game a little bit and learn a lot of the nuances of playing quarterback. And hopefully he sat for the first, you know, however many weeks, learned a lot from from Tannehill. And I think he he could be a good dude. You know, we'll we'll see how he plays for the rest of the season. But I think there's definitely something there. Yeah. I, I only Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he does really well, what are the chances people just start sending Costco side sized tubs of mayonnaise to him? He already signed a like a lifelong deal with the Hellbins or something like that. So I think the boy's set. (laughs) Yeah, he's fine. (laughs) No, no, I I only really like shit on him in the draft just because there are people saying that he should go number one and and I just I just saw Zach Wilson like all over again with that um Zach Wilson and and Mitchell Trubisky right like these guys that that have you know really good arm talent but they didn't really like they didn't really do much in college right i think that people were just enamored with you know Will Levis's size and his arm strength and and i think all they saw was like oh this guy could be Josh Allen and you're like okay calm down like the level of talent he played throughout his college career, like he really wasn't, you know, all that great his whole career. He's had his moments, yes, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm really impressed. I think Dom's right. Like Ryan Tannehill, for some reason, forgot that D Hop is a dude, and and if you throw him 50-50 balls, he's gonna he's gonna catch him like seventy percent of the time. I mean, he's not D Hop of old, but he's clearly still pretty close. And so Will Levis, I think D hop probably came to him before in the game. And he said, listen, young fella, just give me the ball and I'll, I'll make it look good. So if they can keep, keep that up, then yeah, yeah. I think that'll be good. But I agree with David. We need to see more, right? Even a bear shit in the same place twice. So I think, uh, I think Will Levis needs to prove it. I think he needs to continue to perform at a high level, I don't think that I need to see him throw four touchdowns every single week for me to believe that he's, you know, going to be a, a consistent starter within the NFL. But 
I do think I need to see him be accurate. I need to see him make good decisions and I need to see him lead this team on scoring drives, right? I think that's the one thing that Ryan Tano hasn't been able to do this season. And if he's able to throw the ball like that, that's going to unlock their run game. I think Derrick Henry's really been stifled this year because everybody, you know, really knew that their passing game wasn't going to be a thing. So they just loaded the box and, and plus Derrick Henry is he's 30 something years old. Like he's not Derrick Henry of, of old. Um, you know, he got injured a couple years ago and like I said, he's aging. So he really needs the passing game to be on point. So Derrick Henry can be Derrick Henry. And I think if they can combine those two things together, this is a Tennessee team that that'll be fun to watch. But again, I, I'll need a, I'll need to see it a couple more times before uh, I think that he is really the true the true answer there in Tennessee. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Well, I like obviously we need to see this more, and it could just be a flash in the pan, one great game, and then he falls off. I agree, we need to see it more. But in defense of Mayo Coffee, he didn't have he he didn't lead them on long scoring drives because he didn't have to because he was chucking up bombs to D Hop all day for touchdowns. Like he didn't have to go on long no, drives because I, they, I they say, were quick I didn't scoring say drives. long drives. I just said I need to see him lead them on more scoring drives, right? Like I think that's the one thing that this team really hasn't been able to do this year is like Ryan Tan. Like you said, he already has more touchdown passes than Ryan Tannehill on the season. And I don't think Derrick Henry has a ton of touchdowns on the season. Um, not at least not as much as we're used to him having. So obviously this offense hasn't been as productive as it once was, especially when you have a guy like Derrick Henry and you got you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Like you should be more productive than that. So for Will Levis, I need to see him, I need to see him at least play like CJ Stroud, right? Don't turn the ball over. I don't need you to put up a ton of yards. I don't need you to put up a ton of touchdowns in a game, but be accurate, have a good completion percentage, you know, lead your team down the field, you know, get some points on the board and just just play play consistent, good, smart football. And I think that that'll help his growth, that'll help his development, and I think that he could be he could be the guy in Tennessee. But when we talk about the answer, like that that to me means we're asking if he could be the franchise guy there in Tennessee. And after one game, I don't want to say yes. It was an impressive game, but I don't want to say yes, right? I want to see him do it more. I want to see him do it consistently. And maybe after four or five weeks, we'll have this conversation again and be like, Will Levis is the dude. He's the dude for Tennessee. And, you know, I'll eat my crow on saying that he wasn't going to be all that much of a successful quarterback in the NFL. I'm okay doing that. Um, I'm okay being wrong from time to time, but I, I think uh, we all need to see it a little bit more before we're like, yes, he's the dude. <laughs> so anything else on that one, guys, before we move on? No, no, no. All right, cool. Um, we'll rip right into the next topic here, guys. David, what do you make of this Chiefs loss to the Broncos this past week? I think that it's shameful on the Chiefs more than anything um, that they even lost to the Broncos, especially as bad as they did, uh, 24 to 9. And Patrick Mahomes, he's had a great season so far, but my God, did he do terrible. 
Yeah, it wasn't 24 for 38, 241 yards. He threw for two interceptions. And I guess for once, he didn't actually just target Travis Kelsey. He also targeted Rashi Rice, but that didn't really help much, to say the least. And let's just say Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson didn't do much either. He only threw 414 yards. Granted, majority of them counted because he threw for three touchdowns. So, I think maybe the weather. I don't know. I think I think I saw it was like really. I don't know if it was really cold or I saw that it was Mahomes supposed to flu. snow. Mahomes huh? had the flu. Mahomes had the flu. Yeah, yeah, he he played he played with the flu and the weather was not great. I thought it was supposed to snow that day. I don't know if it did for sure or not, but I think it was supposed to snow. It was super cold. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, clearly not a good a good loss, not a good look, especially with the Broncos team that has been struggling. Um, but they're division rivals, right? So you would think that maybe they have tape on them more but it's a bad loss that's a that's a bad loss in in my book I know that Patrick Mahomes wasn't feeling well he had the poopies but you know you still got to go out if, if you're going to go out there and be like I'm going to play with the poopies then you got to be able to play with the poopies and be good um if if uh if the flu is Patrick Mahomes kryptonite then uh don't play with the flu <laughs> I don't know but Dom, what do you think about this game? What do you make of it? I think players are allowed to have bad games. I don't think it's a shameful loss. I think it's a bad loss for sure. I, I know the the Broncos have been really underachieving this year, but the last couple of weeks, like they've they've looked pretty decent. Um, they've now won two games in a row. The defense has looked a lot better since giving up 70 points to Miami. Um, Russell Wilson hasn't been playing bad this year. I think he's been a lot better than he was last year. So, I mean, what was once one of the worst teams in the NFL is looking like a not great team, but not not a good team. I I still think, going back to our conversation last week about the the Chiefs wide receiver room, I think that's that's a lot. There's there's a concern there, and I think there's a reason why they brought back McCole Hardman. Uh, We'll see how well he does if they play him, but I, I think they're desperate for wide receiving help. And offensively, like, I I don't really know where they go from here because while Mahomes is the best quarterback in in the NFL right now, there's only so much he can cover up for, you know, he can, he can make throws. He can launch the ball 90 yards down the field, but what good is it if he doesn't have reliable wide receivers, you know, and he, he's great, but he's not Tom Brady that can go win a Super Bowl with, with Deion Branch and a, a bunch of, maybe B wide receivers. I, I, I still think to be fair, he did win a Super Bowl last year with Juju Smith Schuster as their best wide receiver on the roster. So like But he, he also had, he he also had Kadarius Tony that was playing a lot better. Travis Kelsey was healthy and Travis Kelsey that we know. So he he relied really heavily mm-hmm. on, on Kelsey. So guys we we really know why they lost this game, okay? Do you you want to know why? Do you know why? What, what stupid answer you was? It's, it's, 
It's because Taylor Swift wasn't there, guys. They lost this game because Taylor Swift wasn't there. If Taylor Swift goes to every Chiefs game, then the Chiefs will win every game. I don't understand why she wasn't there. I think it's just an awful move by her. I, I think, honestly, at this point, you know, we should probably start boycotting her if they lose more games and she doesn't show up. Like, Travis Kelsey plays better when she's there. They win games. I I, I don't know. It's just, just crazy. Sucks. So that's really why they lost. I love you, but sometimes you make me want to bash my head into a wall. <laughs> Isn't that the definition of love anyways? <laughs> love well, I, I guess if you want to define it that way. David, I don't know what kind of love you want, but... <laughs> all right (laughs) anyway uh moving on from david's weird uh (laughs) that we're getting beat up by someone he loves all right let's go into our next topic here (laughs) jameer gibbs we talked a little bit about him earlier uh point was they drag you crazy from dime to dime yes yeah 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 you know it, it happens you you spend enough time with somebody over your lifetime you know, you're bound to get irritated with them. And, you know, I guess I guess that's how it goes. But I, I was just saying that to be a joke. It's not Taylor Swift's fault. We're not going to boycott Taylor Swift. Please don't boycott us. Get canceled for that shit, man. That's crazy. Anyway, Jameer Gibbs, guys. He has put together a couple weeks of really solid performances capped off by this past week. I know that David Montgomery was having a really good season before he got hurt. But do you think that Jameer Gibbs has done enough to take over that starting job in Detroit? Do you think it'll be more of a split backfield? Do you think David Montgomery comes back and takes over? What's your guys' opinion on this? I go with Dom on this one. I think I started with David last time. Um. Yes. Um, I, I think they were bringing him along slowly, getting him acclimated to the NFL um, and relying on David Montgomery, who not only was playing good, but was a veteran running back. Um, I think Jameer Gibbs will definitely be the main guy now. I still think that they'll use Montgomery in short yardage and goal line situations um, and and let Gibbs be the guy in between the 20s and especially in um, receiving situations. I think the the Lions have a really good one two combo on their hand. Yeah, I agree. I think I think when you like looked at the stats, you know, David Montgomery was getting a lot of the carries and he was getting a lot of yards because of those carries, but the efficiency was average, right? But when they gave the ball to Jameer Gibbs, he was getting a lot less carries, a lot less yards in total, but the efficiency was higher. And I had been saying it, you know. For weeks, I was like, his efficiency is a lot better. He's a lot better yards per carry. He's a lot better when they get the ball in his hands passing-wise. Like, They need to put him in the offense more, give him more touches. And we had that conversation about whether or not they were just waiting for him to you know, mature a little bit more within the NFL, get a better grasp of what was going on. And, and that really kind of seems like what they were doing. And then with the David Montgomery injury, he was – you know, they were like, well, you have to play now. So they threw him in there, and he's really been really solid for them. And this past week was a big contributor and then the reason they won this game. So, David, what's your opinion on it? Um, I think that he definitely showed what we were mentioning before, that you definitely need to bring your rookie running backs in, I guess, slowly. Uh, and I think that they would make definitely a good – one-two punch more than anything. Um, 
Heck, you could probably I don't want you could bring David Montgomery in as more of the running running back and have Jameer Gibbs as more of the uh receiving back with the occasional like carry every now and again. Uh just to give David Montgomery a break. Um kind of do that kind of balance I would see more of. But overall, I think starting now, Jameer Gibbs probably sees definitely a lot more action if David Montgomery comes back. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, it would be interesting. I think Jameer Gibbs in college lined up in the slot. Um, not like a lot, but enough to where there's tape on him that you could see that he could do it. So. That would be an interesting configuration where you could have both of them on the field at the same time and defenses wouldn't know whether or not they were going to pass or run because they're both on the field, right? Like David's saying, David Montgomery could be more of the bell cow when it comes to running the ball and Jameer Gibbs could be more of the receiving back and give them another receiving threat. But Jameer Gibbs can also you know, have about eight to 10 carries a game as well too, which will help him out. So I don't know. We'll see. I do. I do think he's going to be the starter. I think he's going to get the majority of the carries, the majority of the touches and, and, and I think it's going to benefit that team going forward. So next topic here, I did mention, you know, the, the 49ers quarterback history, the past couple years and, and how this system has really let quarterbacks flourish and, and be successful. And we talked about Brock Purdy's struggles, but I, I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's struggles, guys. Like, he has not played his best ball here in Las Vegas. And my question for you is, is Jimmy Garoppolo a, a bad quarterback? Is is he is he not the quarterback we thought he was with the 49ers? Did that system allow him to look better than what he actually is? David, I don't think I don't necessarily think he's a bad quarterback. I think that injuries have kind of caught up with him a little bit. And it's definitely affecting his play more than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. Um, I still think that he can be a decent player, maybe not as much as a starter, but more as the traveling backup more than anything. Okay. I, I agree. I think maybe after this year, that's probably what his career looks like is it looks like maybe him and Ryan Tannehill are heading towards the same, um, same path where they're really going to be that, like David said, traveling back up like an Andy Dalton um, there towards now towards the end of his career where they'll bounce around, be veteran backups, come in when quarterbacks get injured you know, hopefully not turn the ball over too much and, and help those teams win while the starters are out. But Dom, what do you uh, make of Garoppolo? Do you think he's just really not that good or just having a bad season? Do you think the injuries have caught up? Did the 49ers offense mask a lot of his problems? What, what's your opinion on him? Um, To answer all those questions, yes. I think uh, we've seen – other quarterbacks um, play very well in Kyle Shanahan's system. And I think it 
kind of is able to mask a lot of the deficiencies that quarterbacks have. Um, he is injured, so eventually those – he is often injured, so those will take their toll eventually. And I, I think just that the scheme is, is not – not what he's used to, maybe not, maybe doesn't suit his skill set the most. So, yeah, I, I think he's a borderline starter, but probably better off as a backup going forward. All right, let us know what you guys think at home. You know, I don't, I don't want to say he's you know bad at being quarterback because he's in the NFL, right? Like, he's better than the majority of people on the planet at playing quarterback. But for quarterback standards yeah. within the NFL, he's. He's not playing well, and he's he's not being successful there. And, you know, he has a wide receiver who should be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, um, arguably a, a top five wide receiver in the NFL, and he's just not able to utilize him in that way. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to see the struggles and, and wonder why, why he's struggling the way he is. And, and if the uh, – if Vegas regrets getting rid of Derek Carr, <laughs> I don't know. So let's go ahead and move into our last topic here, guys. And we're going to – I'll run down the uh, trade deadline trades here, and then I just want you guys to speak on, you know, one that stuck out to you or or you liked the most or you didn't like the most. So Seattle acquired uh, Leonard Williams from the Giants. The Falcons – acquired uh Contavious Street from the Eagles. The Bears acquired Montez Sweat from the Commanders. And the we talked about it earlier, the Vikings acquired Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals. The Jaguars acquired um Ezra Cleveland from the Vikings. The Lions were able to get Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns. The Bills Got a veteran cornerback in Rajul Douglas from the Packers. And the 49ers were able to snag Chase Young for a measly third-round draft pick. So any of these moves stick out to you guys? Any of them you love, hate? Um, I'll go ahead and start with Dom on this one. I like a lot of these trades. I really like... The Jaguars getting Ezra Cleveland to really solidify that offensive line in front of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this is a team that is, you know, bound for a, a good playoff run, and you're going to need good offensive line depth to to get anywhere in this league. So, getting uh, one of the better guards in football, or Scott, if he's guard or tackle, getting one of the best offensive linemen in football to. Um, really solidify things, I, I that's never a bad move. I really like the Bears getting sweat. Uh, they're ranked last um, in terms of pass rush. So I think bringing in sweat, who is one of the better uh, defensive linemen of football, uh, was really going to help things. And getting a better defense that may take a lot of the pressure off of Justin Fields if he's able to come back because uh, he's not – if the defense is able to play better, they're not going to be relying on Justin Fields to throw for 40 times a game, and there's not going to be as much pressure on him to perform. Um, but, man, the 49ers getting Chase Young. Eh, on paper, this defense is absolutely stacked. 
Um, I talked earlier about what their stats are so far this season, being ranked 24th in overall pass rush. Um, getting getting Chase Young is, is going to help that. If he's able to stay healthy, um, I, I think he has the potential to be a very good defensive lineman in this game. So, I mean, it, if he's going to succeed anywhere and be the Chase Young that we saw at Ohio State, it's going to be opposite Nick Bosa. Um, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but... Man, the 49ers got a good one. Yeah. And honestly, Chase Young's had, like, he's had a good season so far. I know that he was out for a game or two at the beginning of the season, but I think he's had four or five sacks so far since he's been back. It's not, he's he's on pace to, you know, put up about 11 or 12 sacks on the season. So I think, uh, I think he's really been playing well since he came back from his injury. And you pair him next to, Nick Bosa, and that's uh that's not a fun day for any quarterback or any offensive line to have to prepare for those two guys. And I think that's probably the trade that won it for me for today. As a Steelers fan, I kind of look at that and I go, that would have been an easy pickup. Um, a guy that could fill the hole of, of Cam Hayward that's not there right now and and give you know, that defense, another pass rush threat. I think I look at like a team like the Browns, they could have easily spent a third round pick on him and and bolstered that defensive line and and made their defense even better. Uh, The Ravens could have used them. The, the uh, Bengals, they could have used them, especially since they've lost, you know, Trey Hendrickson. And I, I just run down multitude of teams that could have given up a third round pick for him and, and been better for it. And it's very interesting that the Vikings were the ones that pulled the trigger. So that's, that's, that's the deal that won it for me for the day. Obviously the Montez sweat trade, that's a good one for the bears. That's a good building piece going forward. Um, the Josh Dobbs one to the Vikings was surprising. I thought maybe, Hey, Kirk cousins is hurt. They're going to start their rebuild, but clearly they still want to win games. Um, Yeah. David, what's your uh, thoughts on you got one that you really like? I'm really looking at the Seattle Seahawks, New York Giants trade. Uh, definitely help strengthen up that D-line more than anything. Um, obviously, it's not a Chase Young, but still a solid uh, defensive line in Leonard Williams. I think the one that shocked me the most was the... Cantavius uh, Street trade from Philadelphia to Atlanta, especially considering they only traded him for a sixth round pick. Um, and so, but granted, they did fill in uh, for an all pro safety from Tennessee. So I don't know where they're trying to go with that. Maybe they're just trying to secure their. Um, backfield more than anything on than their defensive line. And then um yeah, you guys pretty much covered everything else. So that's what I wanted to focus on since those were really the only ones that weren't already covered. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a good trade, you know, that I think Dom mentioned the Ezra Cleveland trade. That's a in any time you can get a a a solid starter in the offensive line position, that's a that's a good that's a good trade. So um that's a move that I'm surprised the Steelers didn't make. 
I well, I don't know if their their offensive line really isn't the, the main problem. It's the fact that their offensive coordinator sucks ass. So I don't you know what I mean? I think I think they're not they're not very creative. They're not very explosive. Um, you know, I think the Najee Harris experiment is over. I think he's been too banged up or he just doesn't care anymore, or I, I don't know what it is, but you know, when you're getting out performed by a late round rookie, then I think you really have to internally look at yourself and, and ask why that's happening and, and why Jalen Warren is more explosive than you. If it's injuries, it's injuries. That is what it is. You can't change it. But I really don't think that offensive line is all that bad. I I think I think Kenny Pickett still has a lot of growth to do. Either he still has a lot of growth to do or he's close to hitting his ceiling. I, I don't know what it is yet, but I don't I don't want to say that he's not the future because I haven't seen him with a capable offensive coordinator yet. So I don't know. I would have liked the Steelers to get uh, Chase Young. That would have been nice. But that didn't happen. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Quarter four, projection time. We're not going to go any over any games this week coming up. There's not really, like, any crazy games. I don't think we'll we'll watch what happens this week. And in our recap time, we'll uh, I'll throw some in there for next week, and we'll go over them. But like we did... Early on in the season, we went over who we thought was going to be M- MVP, offensive player, defensive player, offensive rookie, defensive rookie, coach of the year, and our Super Bowl matchups and winners. David, go ahead and kick it to you. If I remember correctly, I think I had Aaron Rodgers as being the MVP. I think we both were in the same same spot on that one. <laughs> and I think it now goes to either possibly two or Tyree Kill. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Dom? If I remember correctly, I probably had Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that's the same now, or are you changing it? No, honestly. Honestly, I would love to see a non-quarterback win this award, and I think uh, Tyreek Hill, I think, is definitely deserving to be in the the MVP conversation. Yeah. Uh, For me, right now, MVP is, is Tyreek Hill. He has a 1,000 receiving yards on the season so far. He is on pace to have over 2,000 receiving yards on the season, which would break the record. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Tyreek Hill is going to be the first non-quarterback to win the MVP in a while, um, only because there really isn't a quarterback that looks phenomenal this season. I think they've all really looked average there really hasn't been one guy that has stood out above the rest quarterback wise. I, a lot of them are turning the ball over a lot. They don't really have very many touchdown passes and you know, there's not, I don't think there's a quarterback that has over 2,600 passing yards on the season yet so far. So um, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think they've looked that impressive. So I think, I think Tyree kill, as long as he can continue his pace, I think he is on target to uh, to take home an MVP, which would be very interesting. Offensive player of the year, guys. David? I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill again. Okay. Um, I think the double winner, offensive player of the year, and MVP. Okay. Still uh, proven differently. So, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, Dom? 
I mean, I said Tyreek Hill is MVP, so it's it's hard not to have a player be MVP and not Offensive Player of the Year as well. Um, I think, um, I think Tyreek Hill is just is playing on a another level that we've never really seen before. Um, you know, for the NFL sake, I hope he gets it because that would be an absolutely amazing accomplishment. He came into the year wanting to get two thousand yards. He's definitely on pace to get it. Um, I think that would be amazing for him if he's able to. And I think he's, you know, at this point, a lock for offensive player of the year. Of course, it'd be easy to say, hey, Tyreek Hill's going to win MVP, is going to win offensive player of the year. I just went a little bit different. So Tyreek Hill has 1,014 receiving yards on the season with eight touchdowns. There's another guy that's close. And I think that he has a really good chance of winning offensive player of the year. And that's A.J. Brown. He has 939 receiving yards and five touchdowns, guys. He's a little under 100 yards away from what Tyreek Hill is right now. He's on a similar pace, right? He may not get to what Tyreek Hill is projected to, but he's going to be close. Um, And I think that's another guy to look at as a non-quarterback that could potentially take home offensive player of the year and maybe even MVP if Tyreek Hill's production slips up and A.J. Brown can continue to do what he's going to do. So um, it's very interesting. I think that we haven't really seen two guys be on this pace, um, and it'll be interesting to see where they both end up at the end of this season. So that's that's who I have, MVP, Tyreek Hill, Offensive Player of the Year, A.J. Brown for me, two wide receivers, two non-quarterbacks winning those awards. I think it's a good year for that. Like I said, I think a lot of the quarterbacks have been playing pretty average. So, all right, David, Defensive Player of the Year, who you got? I got to go with the hometown guy, Miles Garrett. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Dom? Looking at the betting odds right now, Michael Parsons is favored slightly over Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. But, I mean, it's hard to pick between those three because I think those are three of the best defensive players in football right now. I don't know. I, I think I think I got to go with Miles Garrett, um, maybe being a little bit of a homer. But I do think that, you know, we, we've seen Miles Garrett play at an all-pro level. We've seen him be one of, if not the best, edge rushers in football. But I, I think this is the best year that we've seen out of him. And I think it's going to continue. And I think he finally takes on that award. I had TJ Watt at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to stick with TJ Watt now. As as good as Miles Garrett has been this season, I don't think – I mean, we had this conversation last week. I don't know if it was on the episode or off, but these guys are were drafted in the same draft – They've had pretty much similar careers when it comes to, you know, stats-wise. I think T.J. Watt edges Miles Garrett a little bit in every category. But it is um, it is really weird how similar these guys are when it comes to rushing the passer. And, and, and I don't know. The only thing that I can say is that T.J. Watt has the ability to drop back into zone coverage and get those interceptions. And I think if they stay on the same pace, um, sack-wise, stay on the same pace, force fumbles, fumble recoveries, the only thing that's going to set T.J. Watt apart from Miles Garrett is his ability to get those interceptions. 
And I think that's really what's going to push him over the edge. I don't know why Micah Parsons has the betting favorite odds. He hasn't even put up. I don't even I think he might have like what three or four sacks on the season. I don't think he's had an awful season, but I clearly think that Miles Garrett and TJ Watt have had a better season than him. So it is very interesting to see that he has the, you know, the the favorite odds to win the defensive player of the year. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. So it's very I mean, everybody's gonna be like, oh, you guys are homers, but no, those two guys, one of them should win it. And I, I'm not going to be mad whichever one who wins it because I know that when it comes down to it, those guys are going to be the best two pass rushers this year um, and put up really good stats. So it'll be interesting. But I'm going to stick with T.J. Watt because that's who I had at the beginning of the year, and I don't think he's really done much to uh, – or he hasn't done anything bad to take him out of that running. So, All right, guys. Uh, David, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um. It for me, it's between Puka Nakua and C.J. Stroud, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but uh, I think I still think Puka is going to win it because he's had the more surprising um, year out of everyone, and for someone that was a fifth round pick, people think when they think of fifth round picks, they think of people that still have a shot at making the team, but are no better than maybe the bench warmers. But you got a guy who's making a difference despite the fact that they're, they have Cooper cup on the team. They have a clear number one and he's still making a difference um, on an already decent team. That's hard for rookies to do alone. So I'm going to go with Puka. Okay. All right. I don't hate it. Um I'll let Dom go first before I give my my opinion on that. But Dom, who's your uh offensive rookie player of the year for right now? I mean, don't get me wrong, Puka's been beyond impressive, but I don't see how you can make an argument against CJ Stroud. I mean, he's been besides the one bad game this past week, and it really even wasn't that bad of a game, he's been absolutely unbelievable. Um, he's, you know, been one of the best quarterbacks in football this year as a rookie. And I, I think that, you know, that he's, you know, deserving of, of the rookie offensive rookie of the year award. Yeah. I listen, I, I had Bijan Robinson at the beginning of the season. Um, I still think Bijan's had a, a really good year, but I just think he's kind of capped in that offense depending on the quarterback play and, and, and everything else. So the other two guys for me were CJ Stroud and Puka Nakua. And, and this is what I'll say. If Matthew Stafford hadn't gotten hurt, I could get behind the Puka Nakua one. You know, I CJ Stroud guy, I, 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 uh, I want him to be successful. And I do think that he has a really good chance of winning the MVP and, and or not the MVP, the, the offensive player of the year. And he's going to be my pick as of right now, but Puka Nakua isn't because of Matthew Stafford's injury. And I just don't know what that means for him going forward. And if he's going to be able to be as successful with, you know, without him in the lineup. So right now I'm going with CJ Stroud. I think he's performed really well. He has that Texans team uh, with as many wins in the column as they do because of his play. I think if he doesn't play as well as he has, I don't think that Texans team is anywhere 
where they are and, and they're not as competitive as they have been. So this is a guy who's been really good with the, the ball. You know, he's only thrown one interception on the season so far. And that's super impressive when you think about, you know, guys like Josh Allen that has eight interceptions. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes has eight interceptions. Tua has seven. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts has eight interceptions. Matthew Stafford had seven interceptions. So you look at a lot of these guys and you're like, they've been turning over the ball quite a bit. Um, yes, they have more yards than him. Um, but I think the production has been there. So it's very interesting. All right, David, what is your defensive rookie of the year right now? If I remember correctly, I think I had Jalen Carter back then. So I'm going to stay with Jalen Carter. Okay. Dom? I think I also had Jalen Carter, but, I mean, David Witherspoon has just been playing on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's right now, in my opinion, the runaway favorite to win defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year, now player of the year. Okay. Yeah, I had Jalen Carter as well, too. Um, Witherspoon has been playing really nice. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I I don't think like I don't think Jalen Carter's played bad. He's just been like he's been pretty consistently playing like a rookie, right? Like he has his moments, he doesn't. So I just I don't know what to make of this race. I'm for right now, I'm gonna stick with Jalen Carter only because I just want to see more and I want to see Witherspoon continue to put together those those games. And I think if he's able to continue to do this over the next, you know, six to seven weeks before the, I guess there's probably more like another, no, there's like six weeks, six, seven weeks left, six, seven weeks of the season left. Um, Then, yeah, I, I think I would agree with Dom on this one. So I think it's, it's very interesting. There's, there's a lot of good defensive rookies that came from this draft and, and they're developing pretty nicely. So it'll be interesting to see what that race turns out to be. Uh, Coach of the year, David. I'm sticking with Dan Campbell. The guy has been impressive, um, has been able to lead the Detroit Lions. Um, I almost said the Tigers there for a second, <laughs> but I um, – Honestly, he I, probably could win the Detroit Lions to a good record too. <laughs> he can he can motivate anybody to play well at anything. Yeah. I'm usually – a baseball fan so my first thought was tigers there for a second but yeah i'm gonna say he dan campbell wins it again okay dom um i think it's gonna be either uh kneecap biting dan campbell or it's gonna be mike mcdaniel down in miami depending on how the rest of the season goes for miami um i think i made my opinion of them pretty clear last episode um so we'll we'll see if they're able to continue with with how they're playing um but yeah, I think it's either going to be Dan Campbell or uh, Mike McDaniel. He could probably make an argument for uh, for Peterson down in Jacksonville uh, with how good they're playing. But um, if I had to put any money on it and pick one person, it'd be Dan Campbell. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, I said Mike Tomlin, but you know his inability to get rid of Matt Canada and has really pissed me off. So um, as much as that team has won when they shouldn't have, probably because of him. Um, I'm going to go with Dan Campbell as well, too. I think them being six and two, him 
really being able to motivate those guys and him putting the coaching staff together to get the best play out of Jared Goff that he can get. And I think a lot of people looked at their draft picks this past year and they were like, why would they draft a running back so high? Why would they draft a tight end so high? Um, Why would they draft a linebacker so high in the first round? And I think, I think they're all hitting all three of those guys are playing productive and they're doing good things for him. And I think that that just adds to how we view him. And I think that he right now is the runaway favorite for coach of the year. And I think the only thing that can derail that is if they just, they just hit a rough patch, but at six and two, they are a team that when hot, I think that they can compete with almost any team in the NFC and that's dangerous. That's dangerous for teams like the 49ers that have had a little bit of a rough skid. And if they have some injuries and Brock Purdy's not playing his best, that's a team that can be had by the the lions. I think, uh, I think the Eagles are going to be the hardest test for them, but if they bite off enough kneecaps, who knows what happens? So <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, Dan Campbell for me is, is the runaway favorite for coach of the year. All right, on to the fun I mean, stuff, guys. I was going to make a joke about uh, Dan Campbell biting knees, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. All right, on to the uh, fun stuff of this one, the Super Bowl matchup and winners, guys. What do you got, David? Um, You know what? I think if I remember correctly, I think I had the 49ers um, going to the Super Bowl, and I know I definitely had the Jets. Um. So I think that the 49ers will get through this rough patch and I think they'll figure everything out. We'll get things together. I think that they'll go to the Super Bowl. Now, in terms of representing the AFC, um, I'm going to go with, might be a little bit of a long shot, uh, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, So, and if I would pick a winner i'll still go with the long shot and say the bills okay interesting 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 dom um i remember i had a rematch of last year's super bowl with the chiefs and the eagles i think at this point i'm going to go out on a limb here and say the lions and the ravens actually no lions and, and the bengals i i think well I'm I'm impressed with how the Ravens have played. I do think that there's some injuries on the offense, and I don't know, I don't know if you can really rely on the wide receiving core outside of uh, Zay Flowers. Joe Burrow and the Bengals have been there, done that. They're on fire now. I think they're back. Um, I think they're a team that could definitely come out of the AFC, and I'm just so impressed with how the Lions have played this year. I think. They have statistically one of the best defenses in football. Um, they have one of the best offenses in football. And now that Jameer Gibbs has solidified himself as a legit running back, uh, they have a very good one-two combo. They have a very good wide receiving room. They just got down to the people's Jones for what it's worth. And I think Jared Goff has been one of the best quarterbacks in football for the past 12 months. So I, I think the Lions are a team that could definitely come out of the NFC. Interesting. I Things I never it. thought I would say, but hey, right. gotta gotta call it like I see it. 
10 years ago, if we were to sit down and have a conversation about watching a Lions Bengals Super Bowl, I think we would all laugh. But no, I, I, I agree. I think both of these teams have put themselves in positions to have franchise got franchise guy franchise guys at the quarterback. Geez, sorry. Um, and they have a lot of good players around them. So it'll be very interesting. For me, the first projection that I had was Eagles versus Chiefs. I had a rematch of of this past year's Super Bowl. Um, my winner that I had picked at the beginning of the season was the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm gonna flip that. I'm gonna keep the Eagles and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but I'm gonna have the Eagles winning this game. I think I think the Chiefs loss against the Broncos was one of those where, you know, I joke about Patrick Mahomes having the poopies, but he was probably sick. It was a, you know, a cold weather game. It happens. People have bad games. I think the addition of Miko Hardman um, is going to be helpful. That'll give them a guy that can take the top off the defense and help them spread the field. And I think their defense is a top 10 defense in the league, and that's going to be able to help them get to the Super Bowl. When it comes to the Eagles, yes, I made a comment about them being not performing the way that I think that they should, and they've been winning a lot of gritty games, but they are winning them, which is important. So you're not losing those games, um, and that's all that matters. But I think the Eagles get the better of the Chiefs on this one. I think they have the better defense. And to be completely honest, I think – with A.J. Brown being my prediction to be Offensive Player of the Year, he's on the same page as, pace as a Tyree Kill almost for yards on the season. And I, I think uh, I think if Jalen Hurts can take care of the ball and, and stop turning it over so much, I think that team is is on their way to a Super Bowl victory. And, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey is going to be able to hold the uh, Lombardi Trophy up in front of Travis Kelsey's face like Travis Kelsey was able to do to Jason Kelsey this past year. So, that's that's what I got for that. So that's all I got, guys. We'll go ahead and end it on this one. But any final thoughts before we end it? No? All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill here presented by Deep Dive Sports. As always, we will catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.